Well, Wes, we speculated last episode about all of the possible ways they'd fill four episodes when it felt like they had two episodes worth of story. And uh, it's safe to say I did not think this would be one of them. You didn't expect did time not travel? Have, uh, yeah, I did not have uh, I did not have poor man's yesterday yesterday's enterprise on my Star Trek Enterprise bingo card. Yeah, that shows your um, that shows your Star Trek priorities because I think this one um, and maybe not just me. I'm, this is not a novel thing, but this is uh, strongly reminiscent. This is E squared we're talking about. Strongly reminiscent of Children of Men from DS 9s fifth season. Oh sure, yeah, sure, because yeah. they run into descendants of themselves and have a quandary that they have to face against this episode is frequently the, uh, compared against children of men yeah go ahead that's the that's children of men is the one where the children earth of time i'm sorry not, ch- not children of children <laughs> earth, children of men's the episode where earth stopped having babies except for odo who ends up pregnant <laughs> looking very tropical children of time not children of men is the uh, the star trek ts9 episode this one's kind of a hodgepodge of time travel stuff though honestly i think you could pluck a little bit yeah. out of everything and it, it would end up where it was but before we go to break better or worse than the detroit time travel episode Oh, much better. I think it's much better than the Detroit one. <laughs> I think ultimately has about about as much importance to the story as the Detroit one, but uh I did I did prefer this one to uh to the Detroit episode. About halfway through this one, I was thinking this episode should have been about Archie goes back in time and he goes to the Detroit version of the Zindi planet and he makes a biological <laughs> weapon to stop the Zindi. And then they meet time traveling Zindi who go back and meet Archer and the whole the whole circle is squared or whatever. And that's how they find common ground because Zindi Detroit, very similar to Earth Detroit. Yeah. We we realize that post-industrial cities have a hard time. No matter where you come from in the galaxy, it's hard to maintain industry when it's cheaper to ship work overseas. Let's uh, yes. take a break. We'll play a clip from the episode called E Squared, and then we'll come back and we'll break it down. The probe. We couldn't stop it from entering the vortex. It's on its way to Earth. Seven million people. Everything is happening as it did before. Then you have no choice. You must find Jonathan Archer. E Squared is the 21st episode of the third season of Star Trek Enterprise. It came out on May 5th, 2004, 22 of 28 in the Zindi Crisis arc, written by Mike Sussman, directed by Roxanne Dawson. In-universe dates specifically not known, but it's 2153, 2154, and 2037. In this episode, E Squared, an accident during an attempt to use a Zindi subspace corridor places the Enterprise in a bizarre confrontation with itself. That's it. E Squared. It's the shortest Star Trek title because the uh, Memory Alpha considers the squared to be only half of a numeral. And there's a Q2 episode in Voyager. So they're saying that this is one half of oh, a letter shorter. Okay. So this is the shortest one. Uh, I had to look up to we make did the it. text work. We, we did, did it. <laughs> Drop the banner. <laughs> Um, e squared time travel episode, very children of timey. There's a little bit mm-hmm. of um, dreadnought and Voyager. There's a little bit of um, all good things in some ways. That kind of, that kind of a thing of looking back on yourself and stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. They definitely, they definitely. Well, I don't know if this is a good place to start with this one. Is the problem with this episode? It's is is one of the problems with this episode 
its placement in the se- in the season. Does this episode? I was trying to think. Does this episode work earlier? Um, because one of the flaws well, is that we're delaying the final Zindi arc. Like after this, it's straight yeah, Zindi storyline. Yeah. So this feels like a real like stop. We we mentioned at the end of the last episode where they even warned us that like we're going to go in that nebula. We're going to have an adventure, and this, yeah. and this is what yeah, happened. They, they set up they set up the nebula pirates thing. And they only just briefly show up at the end. That's not, they shoot, that's they not shoot the people. focus of yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they didn't have anything left in the budget for new makeup, so they had to figure out how to shoot an entire episode of the second <laughs> Enterprise. Um, Is this the placement you issue? Know, I don't know. Um, because the entire genesis of the episode is... Enterprise needing to cross this final threshold in order to to change the future. And if you put that earlier in the season, it doesn't really have the same zip to it. Like, it doesn't feel as urgent as if, like, they ran into this Enterprise midway through the season. And, and I don't know, like, what's the... I mean, I guess you still could, because I guess there's, there is something... I think the interesting part about this episode is... Uh, Lorian talking about how they couldn't stop the weapon the first time because he hesitated too much. Like, yep. I think that stuff works no matter where you put it. Uh, you can come up with some bullshit thing that they got to help them do or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think you'd have to change some stuff. And I, 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 given what, given what they actually are doing in this episode, it probably works better earlier. Um, because it is a lot of just like, interpersonal crew stuff it's not really in some way i think it's only tripping yeah. to paul that's interpersonal crew stuff and the, the tripping to paul stuff is what i like the best of this episode because that yeah. is the yeah. that feels like the most recent developments and in, in episodes like the forgotten and stuff like that and even damage where they're actually starting to be like okay let's see how this journey has affected these people and see where this is going yeah and even i wouldn't say it saves it but the revelation that T'Pol will not get better from her older self telling her that this is just the way it's going to be. You're going to have to suck it up and live with it. I still mm-hmm. think that the way she became addicted to space crack is terrible, but at least at least they're sticking with this idea of like, this has permanently changed her, even if it was a silly decision yeah. in the first place. So I, mm-hmm. I liked that. And I think that, you know, it works in terms of Trip and to Paul sort of finally hashing out the fact that they had sex and the fact that they're moving forward, like what, where do they stand? What's going on between them to Paul fighting back against it. I think all that stuff is, is good. And I think that it works where I think that the episode kind of falters and, or did you want to touch on that before we go to the falter thing? Did you agree that you like that segment or did you find that not, not that appealing? I did. I did like that stuff, but <laughs> I found it funny that they even say in a line of dialogue, um, Archer, when he's talking to, I think it's when he's talking to old to Paul, he says, that seems like spending all that time with humans just rubbed off. Or maybe it's flocks. I forget who says somebody says that. And I'm like, that's it. That's all you needed to do. Yeah. Oh, you right. didn't have to addict her to space, space cocaine, yeah. <laughs> yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, I thought that stuff was good. Uh, the telling her she's not going to get better is interesting because you know how do you how does she reconcile that moving forward um flagrant disregard for the space-time continuum in this episode as far mm. as telling people their futures and 
Except if you want to know how you die. Then they're like, we can't tell you how you die. We'll tell you literally everything else, but not not how you die. Yeah. 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 That's that's always that feels like an obligatory. This is a time travel episode. Someone has to mention that they can't tell you something. Um, A very Daniels Mm -hmm. thing. But where do you stand on the T'Pol and Trip relationship at this point? Has this been okay of a storyline? I'm I'm unconvinced as to whether or not this is good. But I didn't mind it in this episode. I don't know if the, I don't know if the journey has been all that interesting for them, really. Mm-hmm. But I think you could say that about a lot of stories in this Zindi storyline. To Paul, seems it's. I don't think that I don't think that they're doing this intentionally. But it's unfortunate. I, I understand that they have to do it because To Paul's the Vulcan, so you have to change the Vulcan to make this storyline somewhat interesting. So. To do this, they have to weaken the female character in this relationship, and they have to break her down to accept this male. And I don't think mm-hmm. that this is inherently a bad thing. And again, they're doing it because Topol's Vulcanness is the thing that you have to crack to make this happen. Yeah, like Trip doesn't have any hangups about this stuff, so he he can't be the one right, who's just right. like like fawning after her or whatever. It it does. You could get away with. I'm from Florida. We can't be depaling around with aliens. <laughs> I thought that works, right? I thought he'd have some line about going to FSU, which is like the number one most attractive women or something, according to those magazines every <laughs> single year. And he'd be like, "I've had many women, many tens in my life. You're nothing to Paul." Do you think? Um, is this outside of the space crack? Is this a damaging storyline to T'Pol, or are they earning what they're doing with her? Is this worth? Is this worth? Um, is, are you getting the juice that's worth the squeeze, or whatever that saying is? I don't know. I'm on the fence because I did find that this was another episode where they are uh, doing a lot of tying up loose ends and like moving stories forward with time travel, which is not super satisfying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do. I think I think the stuff between the two T'Pols works, and I think that's that's fairly satisfying. As far as the relationship with Trip goes, I like I I feel like it's it was it's it clearly wasn't the focus of the season because otherwise they would have leaned into it a lot more. But I don't think that they necessarily have to because it is still fairly new, um, and it's kind of like baby stepping its way forward. Uh, and I think I think having to Paul have these emotional problems is what's sort of like pushing it out the door a bit. Yeah. Um, which, again, I don't really think they needed to do that. But uh, uh, I is it damaging to Paul? Um, well, here's the thing. So compared to like other Star Trek romances, I'm thinking of one off episodes like Lessons where Picard falls in love with a an underling on the ship and then he has mm-hmm. to put her on a, dam- a dangerous mission and he's ho- he's all conflicted because he's like, I can't function as the captain I need to be if I'm putting this person in danger all the time. To Dax and Worf's relationship, which had a lot of like modern commentary on jealousy and stuff like that for coming from Worf. Down to Kira and Odo, which are kind of like a long pining relationship that eventually fizzles into like story-wise nothing, but they are happy as characters, which is kind of a strange thing. I just don't mm-hmm. know what the angle is that this is shining a light on for me with this relationship. I don't know what I'm... All of those other relationships I mentioned, they kind of, like, they give you an insight into some aspect of being in a relationship or something that might be damaged because you're in a relationship or something to think about, at least. 
I don't really mm-hmm. know what I'm supposed to think about this relationship other than the fact that it would be nice if they got together, I suppose. But even if they get together, sure. it almost seems like them getting together is just a salve for the fact that she's a crack addict at this point. And it's like Trip is the way that you will be able. We know you love Trip, but Trip is just kind of like the medication that will allow you to get over the damage that you've done to yourself. Right, right. Yeah. I, I don't. Again, I don't know if well, that's, that's insulting or boring, I guess. That's the other reason why I don't like the time travel aspect of it, because it's just like it's kind of written it in stone at this point. I mean, they, they don't even really <clears throat> I mean, I guess maybe there's some lip service paid to. I actually don't even know if there is any lip service paid to. Well, who says we can't change? How, who says the future is going to turn out the way that we think it is? Or something no, like they, that, they but, don't say that. Archer has that comes the closest when he says this is my mission. I'll do whatever I want. Yeah. But uh, but like you know, once once you have your future self tell you that you're in love with you know your your coworker and that you're gonna marry your coworker regardless of whether or not you're stuck on a ship together for a hundred years, mm. um, <clears throat> takes a little bit of the zip out of that relationship story. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's a weird, it's a strange counterpoint to uh, clone trip the clone trip episode similitude um like i almost wish that the scene i wish that that scene had been between old to paul and trip instead of old to paul and herself okay because i feel like at that point it's it's kind of like even at that point because you know to paul got to see clone trip shed uh, open up some feelings oh, sure. that trip yep. wasn't afraid to say yeah and then you know trip can talk to, to old to paul and old to paul can be like listen you're doing the right thing. I I need I need you now more than I ever needed you before. That kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I think I think the problem there yeah. is it it takes that that takes it away from the the one hook that this has. I would agree with you, that's an interesting way to go where they both get to look at each other's hand of cards and then they know a little bit of information mm-hmm. about each other and that's what leads them to getting together. It feels a little bit juvenile in an interesting way. It's the kind of the passing notes mm-hmm. in class about do you like me or whatever, and they both get a yes on the note and then they're like, now we can be together. But I think that they. I think the show thinks that the interesting aspect is to Paul's dealing with emotions about this. And I think it's just a bad storyline to work up any kind of um any kind of interesting plot dealing with the way Vulcans go about their life, really. Like I think there are better stories that involve Vulcan's logic approach over emotion. This doesn't really feel right to me because it feels she feels sick and being taken advantage of and not taking advantage of, but like it doesn't feel as pure of a realization. It feels just like it's kind of like this character pairing will help you down the line. It, it, that just doesn't right, seem very right, romantic yeah. to me or very um, even a comment on yeah, that's, love that's, or anything. That's what I mean about it. You know, writing it in stone like that kind of takes any of the fun and and uh, revelation out of anything because now it's yeah. just like, well, I guess we're getting together, so take them off. Right, and the you know. the episode itself, they have multiple scenes where the characters talk about who they hook up with in the future and who they marry, and it doesn't. Right, right. The, the I think one of the problems with this episode is that the reason it's not as good as Children of Time is that the 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 descendants are almost inconsequential to anything. They, they only work right, in terms of right. the character stuff, but for the other characters like um, Hoshi, 
Mayweather and Reed, it's just kind of a weird trivia revelation. They're like, oh, really? I'm mm-hmm. shocked I married that woman. Maybe I should go talk to her. And it just seems like it, it um it doesn't seem like there's nothing interesting about that. I don't know if you remember the Children of Time episode, but the Children of Time episode. I remember it, I remember um Odo looking like he just got divorced at age Yeah, lives in Miami. Spent <laughs> two two weeks in Miami, yeah. <laughs> the um the brief summation of Children of Time is that they the defiant crashes, they find this colony where the right, because of yeah. a time thing they have this, they've created this whole colony. If they leave uh and they don't uh crash the ship, the colony will be wiped from existence. If they do leave and they crash mm-hmm. the ship, the, the society will continue to go on and on. The two characters who remain on it are Dax and Odo. Dax because he lives in multiple hosts and Odo because he just lives forever because he's a changeling. Kira dies early. And the, the conflict there is that Dax tries to trick them into keeping the colony going. So he gives them bad, she gives them bad information. And the end result and the crew agrees that we will agree to sacrifice ourselves to keep this colony of 8,000 people alive. The way that the right. episode saves itself and hits the reset button is actually kind of brilliant character work in that Odo, old Odo realizes that because he loves Kira so much, he won't allow Kira to die and he'd rather kill the 8,000 people on the colony. So he allows the ship to leave and yeah. that causes the colony not to happen. So yeah. this episode doesn't have anything on that level of interesting decision-making based on right. descendants that you have because ultimately the descendants and the crew have the same goal in this episode interestingly right yeah and if you know uh uh Lorian makes a big deal out of saying that he's not willing to sacrifice his crew or something like that and it's like well if you if you complete your mission you guys get wiped from existence yeah like that right that's either. Do you mean stop either the Zindi enterprise or allow the enterprise to survive? The original enterprise to survive. Either one. I mean, if you if whatever they do stops the enterprise get from going back in time, then they get wiped from existence. Because they say at the beginning when they jump to that to old to Paul, he comes in and says, "The timeline hasn't changed. They must have failed or some shit like that." No, they um, they, they failed. They so the beginning cold open is they failed to destroy the sphere that made it to Earth and killed Florida basically. Oh, that's what that scene. That's was? what that's what he's talking about. So that and that at that point oh, he I says thought- if that fails you have to find Archer because our backup plan is that we find Archer and um, convince oh. him going forward what to do. Oh, okay. I mean, I miss I misread the misheard the dialogue. I thought he was saying like. Something that Archer did didn't change the timeline. They were still, well, regardless, regardless, mm. they're still there. So if they complete their mission, then they're going to go away, uh, as they do at the end of the episode, whether or not they get blown up or if they just get wiped from existence. But yeah, fade off. To Paul said, as to Paul said, if they get wiped from existence, why do we still remember them? Um, which <laughs> doesn't really bode well for the future of their mission. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so it's like you're taking that element out of it. Um, which makes the descendants, yeah, like you're saying, just kind of like fun. Um, yeah, but I do think that Lorian's problem is is really interesting. His uh, uh, not being able to destroy the sphere for because he didn't want to sacrifice the crew and stuff. I, I do think that works. Um, <laughs> I don't know if he completely thought through. Let's fire on the Enterprise. <laughs> 
I just keep so thinking we can of pull this thing off. That Arrested Development scene where um, George Senior and his brother fight each other, and they're identical twins, so they're completely evenly matched, and they can't land a blow against yeah. each other. That's what, that's what that but again, like you know, if they, you know, I, I'm assuming we're playing by the rules, yesterday's Enterprise rules, where if something changes in the past, it changes in the future. So, uh, well, this episode if, if they change the future. Well, whatever. Yeah, I mean, this one doesn't really imply that because this ship has just been sitting around there for 100 years waiting mm-hmm. for the Enterprise to come back. So it seems like it's had minimal impact on... Honestly, the I'll just say this now to get it out of the way. The original idea for this episode was that the ship that they stumble across is that NX-02 Columbia ship that they think it is at the very start oh. when they see it. Yeah. So what happens in the original pitch is that the Columbia is sent out to help Enterprise and it takes a it uses one of these tunnels to get out there quickly. But it does what Enterprise does in this episode. It shows up 100 years too early. And so the Columbia has to wait around for 100 years with its descendants that are going to meet up with Archer at that point and sort of help him mm-hmm. uh, at that. I don't know how that ends. And the producer, executive producers, the senior producers decided that they wanted to make it the Enterprise that does that. Over objections, interestingly, of Mike Sussman, who said this is too close to Children of Time, but they, they overruled him <laughs> and said that they they have to do it this way. It's more interesting. But well, I mean, I I don't disagree with the change only because like I don't I mean it it makes it more interesting. It does to to have it be the Enterprise. I mean, it makes the character interactions a little bit more uh, like who who play. Who plays the T'Pol character in that in that original version? You know what I mean. Yeah, like, the, I, the, I don't know. I don't know how they would build it. I don't even know what the fundamental conflict. If you don't do any character work right. with that, would be unless the crew has gone insane or something. Um, I, I think that what I what I like about the Descendants thing is really just the T'Pol, Lorian, and Trip storyline here, and I don't think that they even really focus on it all that much. Here's a question for you, though. What I think is most interesting about this and that the episode, in my opinion, doesn't touch on, but let me know if I'm wrong, is that Lorian is kind of a stand-in for Archer in this episode, interestingly. All of Lorian's sure. ideas and the things that he does are things that Archer has done this season. He steals the equipment that he wants right, to take. Right. He does a yeah. suicide mission uh, like Archer did when Archer tried to drive that submarine and, and bomb the, the Zindi base or whatever. He is mm-hmm. extremely cocksure that what he's doing is the right thing and there are no other alternatives. I'm honestly, I think the biggest failure of this episode is I'm shocked that Archer does not realize he's looking in a mirror this episode and right. say, Lorian, yeah. this is everything I did and none of this worked. This, so right. the, the problem to me is that while Lorian works in terms of T'Pol and Trip, I think this actually should have been the descendant of Archer is the captain, is Lorian, Lorian at that point. Yeah. And it's yeah. more that, of a well, yeah. <clears throat> that might be a little bit too on the nose. To, but to but do I that, don't think. But I, I know what you're saying. I don't think Archer. I don't think this episode rec- recognizes how similar, or at least Archer doesn't recognize how similar this is to what he's done. And this feels like the time in this season where Archer needs to see himself in the mirror and realize how things have changed since his initial opinion, or at least like give him the motivation to move into the final Zindi episodes with a different point of view about them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I think the younger version is the only one that does that. I understand why they had Lorian be the Vulcan because they wanted to do the trip into Paul thing, but Lorian, when that's done, leaves me 
his motivation kind of feels like shit to me. He's just like, I promised you, Archer, that I would save those people. And it's like, well, I, I don't know. Don't these people have anything better to do than this? Like they just wait around for this kind of thing. I, I, it feels, um, it feels a little bit flimsy to me if they're not going to go introspective on making this like a bloodline thing or Archer sees himself in the mirror and recognizes his own flaws and can, can convince Lorian at that point of what's gone wrong or something like that. Yeah, I think the mirror aspect still works even if it's not his descendant. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, they don't really go into that at all. But I did notice that like they very specifically do the same thing that they did to that uh, uh, exploration vessel a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Um, until until they get back at them by playing a very fun game of let's grab it with the transporter, which I didn't know you could do. I didn't yeah, which is interesting. It makes sense that they can do it reach in this. In they don't have shields. Pull yeah. out pieces. Yeah. <laughs> More <clears throat> um, effective than any torpedo. Yeah, but, I know. Just start with that. Uh, but don't yeah, you think that's lacking? I, I'm, I'm just surprised because I, I don't know. I don't think I do think it's lacking, but I, yeah, I do think it's lacking, but I don't necessarily think you need to make that change in order to do that story. Um, it's like I said, it might be a little bit too on the nose to have a descendant of his do the exact same. I mean, you, who knows? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. Um, but I, I think given what they, what they put down in this episode, the stuff that they did have, it was there, that sort of recognition from him was an option and should have been an option but they never really go anywhere with it they don't really uh have him have that moment of realization i feel like he's been moving towards having that realization for like six episodes and they yeah. never do it well this feels like the time because we're we're going into the end right, game. right. so it feels like that especially is- especially what the hell else why why are we doing this this kind of episode at this point in the season unless it is to unearth or recognize the the deep-seated truths of each character right before we head into the finale. You well, know? Th- that would be my argument for if this was earlier, right, and everything that Lorian did is something that Archer then has the chance to do during the season, and he see, he he can call back to this episode and say, I was exa- exactly just like them. Like, I need, to ad- I need to adapt to be able to move forward. That feels like it's kind of giving away something or it requires an incredible amount of forethought to have all of those Lorian tactics be replayed by Archer later on without him immediately realizing it or something like that. But the, the, the problem with Lorian, I think, is that the reason I would want the captain to be Archer's descendant instead of T'Pol and Trips is because I think that the episode suffers here because so much of the story is put on Lorian's shoulders. And I don't think that that's sure. appropriate for a guest star to do. I would have preferred if Trip and T'Pol's character, uh, son, was just a like, almost like a non-speaking role. They're just like, and this is Lorian. He's the son of Trip and T'Pol. And, and that, that, that's enough to trigger the conflict between Trip and T'Pol, you know? Because they don't spend any real time with Lorian. They have a couple scenes with him, you know? Yeah. I don't think they gain anything from talking to him a lot. It's more the idea that he can exist is interesting to those two. And mm-hmm. it, get, it gets you around this sort of awkward trip talking to him like, well, you're a good son. And he's like, well, I can't tell you how you died, Dad. And he's like, oh, that's too bad, son. Like, I hope we live on. And I don't think T'Pol talks to him about anything other than schematics about what the ship is doing. Like, she has no uh, right. connection to him whatsoever. So I don't know why that character has to take up such a huge amount of time and serve both roles in that case. Yeah. Um, 
Well, I think I think it's because it it's really it's a trip into Paul episode more than it is an Archer episode, and that may may inherently be the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, he does kind of serve both plots at the same time, which uh, yeah, I mean, especially if uh, it does it, it's nice to have Trip have that scene where he talks to him and stuff. But like, you don't even get a moment later on where Trip talks to him at the end or anything. You know what I mean? Like, right. there's no father and son moment when Lorian is trying to blow up the ship or whatever it's just kind of like oh yeah it's my son he's trying to blow us up yeah it's it is archer who's doing that uh uh having that conversation so yeah it is i guess it does make it a little bit muddy to have him do double duty and not really have a focus for either one of those stories it's probably uh not the best way to go I think that the descendant angle here is something that operates on like a familial thing of it's not it's good enough to know that they're your family kind of like there's this um there's a lot like I just think that scripts like this tend to think that saying someone is your descendant is enough for there to be a relationship there and not just kind of like a weird mm-hmm. like what the like what kind of time shenanigans are happening here. It doesn't get into the fact that like would characters really consider these people to be descendants? Like in in Children of Time, the uh, the conundrum was whether or not you kill these people. So it manages to get around the fact right, that they are right. your blood relatives in some timeline. It kind of ignores yeah. that because it knows that that's not really impactful in any way because it's it's hard to imagine and you can't build any time getting to know them. But I think that this episode puts a tremendous amount on it. Where even at the end, the reason they don't. The, the reason the Enterprise 2 doesn't kill the original Enterprise is they go, they're our family. We can't shoot at our family. And you go, ah, I don't, I know they are, but I don't, I don't really, I, I don't think this is strong enough to build this episode on. And I think Lorian falls into that, where Lorian, we don't know enough about this guy to really care about him in terms of Trip and Paul's mm-hmm. relationship. All I care about is that he triggers Paul to realize that she has feelings for Trip and that there is a possible future between the two of them. And if Archer doesn't have a connection to him, Archer is just basically arguing with a guy who's being difficult to him. And that's not a very interesting plot line. He needs to have some kind of reflection during this of being like, I see see the flaws in you that are in myself. But the show doesn't do that because typical Enterprise structure, we have a 10-minute action sequence to end this. And they they can't do anything during that 10 minutes. So it's... It's a tough one for me. I, I don't hate it, but I, I really see like critical flaws in this one that hold it back quite a bit. Yeah, I think it's just got too much timey-wimey shit going on. Sure. Um, like you said, it's like four different four different other Star Trek time travel enterprises just kind of mushed together. Um, <clears throat> and I think that's where these, where these problems come from. Because if there was a stronger through line as to why they're doing this what the purpose is and what the the you know because as as we said before like time travel is the, the the purpose of time travel as a story mechanic is usually some sort of metaphor for something else or or you know and and this doesn't really have that it's just sort of like a bunch of stuff that's not really focused in any real meaning other than it's kind of 
interesting to do and you've got a couple themes going on but they don't really commit to any of them yeah because the i think the the stuff that they're messing with is kind of muddy and not really super defined like are there rules like what is at stake here i mean if if enterprise one blows up does enterprise two disappear mm-hmm. um if so why are why they, they trying to blow out Enterprise One up? <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I think I think I think some of that stuff get makes it a little bit too muddy, and you could definitely streamline it by making some harder decisions about how this stuff works. And you having having the thematic reason for having them meet their future descendants is is a is a big. It's like a first first page thing you got to figure out like why are we doing this what are we trying to get yeah. out of this yeah um and I, I don't really know if it's totally there yeah i i don't think it's clear i don't think it's clear either about what the and it obviously seems it seems like it was tacked on as a way to make it more interesting i is enterprise bad at time travel or is time travel at this point in star trek done do you know, like, is the franchise mm, yeah. has the franchise done time travel to the point where there's like, I don't know what else you can really do with this, or is it just that Enterprise is because Enterprise is, I would argue, the weakest of the storytelling Star Treks. Is it just because time travel requires you to have a much firmer grasp on storytelling to make it interesting that it's the problem here? Yeah, I think so because, I, I yeah. I think that's sort of similar to what I was saying a minute ago about like it's 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 having a solid storytelling idea of why you're using this time travel mechanic like and what it's supposed to to be for that is the uh is what makes those stories work. Yeah. So you think um, it's an enterprise specific problem instead of being a Star Trek problem yeah. at this point. I yeah, well I I think it's probably a little bit of both. Um Especially because this is so much of a retread of stuff they've done before. Like, if you can think of a new way to do time travel in Star Trek, then yeah. sure, go for it. Sure. But this is, they're not reinventing the wheel here at all. It's just kind of a couple other things they'd thrown together. Like, you know, even Discovery, when they did time travel, it had the same problem where it's, yeah. you come away going, like, what? What the? F- Why did any, who, what was the point of that? Who was supposed yeah. to learn something? You know, um, so yeah, I mean, you come away from it thinking like, "Oh, that was kind of fun," but that's about it. It it doesn't have it has so much so much potential to be uh, a little bit more effective. But still, even so, it's it's just such a weird thing to pull out. Uh, see, that's a, uh, uh, a, I think that's what makes it especially strange, um, and have the flaws kind of bubble to the surface even more is the placement. Because an episode like this, four episodes from the end of the season, when you're trying to pay off this season-long arc, you better have a damn good reason why you're sending people back in time at this yeah. point. You know what it, I mean? It's, well, it's interrupting. And, we've interrupted three very serialized episodes to have this one, and now we're going to close right. out with three serialized episodes to close this as well. So it's a it's mm-hmm. a strange, clunky episode right in the middle. But, I mean, that's why I... 
I feel if you're going to do that kind of a placement, if you're going to take an episode that steps back from this heavy serialization story where you're literally interrupting Degra going like, Degra saying, go through that door. I'll see you on the other side in two episodes. And you go, well, what the hell are they going to do for this episode? The only, the only way this makes sense to me is Archer's storyline has to be better than this. And the trip into Paul's storyline has to be the secondary storyline that's relegated to a sort of background thing that can continue yeah. onward. Archer, and this that's is, the thing to sort of going off what you're saying before making making Lorian both the captain and to Paul and Tripp's son makes that the the main story. It that yeah, it sure. puts it putting him putting that character Tripp and to Paul's son in the prominence prominent position of being the captain of the ship by and large pushes the the to Paul and Tripp stuff to the forefront. Yes. Um, when it probably should be Archer who's at the forefront at this point. I, I would think so because the only reason to take this stall technique mm-hmm. is to clearly identify that Archer has a revelation at this point. He's mm-hmm. kind of been having it in the past couple we've talked about. He's much nicer to Degra and stuff like that, but there's still an ulterior motive that he has to convince Degra so he can't be like, you son of a bitch. Like He has to, he has to play nice with him at least, even if he's not... Uh, fully believing it, but I don't think the show has shown that either. But this one should have been Archer-focused. Archer runs into descendants that his, like something like his current outlook that he never got past because of this failure to stop the Zindi and this bubbling hatred at the Zindi has led to an offspring that have a similar fire and brimstone outlook on things that he is like, this is not the way this has to happen it almost gives a, a reason to wipe them from the timeline in some ways, you know, if they're more hostile or something like that, but they don't, mm-hmm. they don't get into that. And because I think that they want to play up this family angle that these are your descendants and you have to care for them. And Arch is going to round and look, look at all the, the thousands of Denobulan children or Denobulan, however the fuck you pronounce it. The flocks has been siring all over the place. I, <laughs> I just Archer, not having a point in this episode outside of yelling at Lorian for getting in his way and trying to stop him from what he wants to do is not a good look for Archer at this point. And I think that's that's the critical flaw of this one, uh, in my opinion, anyway. I know we've, we've tried that. Yeah. Go ahead. <clears throat> well, I was just going to say, I think the other reason that, that they make Lorian both the captain and the son of T'Pol... And see, I think this is where... <clears throat> this is where it doesn't matter if it's archer's descendant because i think one of the reasons they do that and have him be half vulcan is because he is old enough to have been there when the rest of the crew was still there right so he would be old enough yeah yeah and his his and trips trip dies when he's fairly young so you could make the argument that archer is some sort of surrogate father to him in some sense not that Mm -hmm. they get into that because they don't no um that that actually would have been kind of interesting if they if they did that a little bit where he's like dad and then he just got runs to archer instead of trip. <laughs> but like you know so you can make the argument that the initial that initial fire is present in him because he's the only one there other than to paul who remembers the first generation like everybody else yes. in that ship doesn't give a shit you know yeah they're all <laughs> they they're all what the going on yeah. yeah yeah they don't know they don't know that they're flying in to try and blow this thing up and save the world or what's earth to them they don't give a shit 
Um, well, I mean, but so let's like, talk to Lorian. Like, Lorian has a weird line in this where he argues with DePaul in one scene, and he's like, "If this was Vulcan, you'd try to stop it." And it's like, "What the what the hell are they talking about?" Like, I don't. I yeah. I, I think that they well, were just pushing uh, too much on Lorian at that point. He's carrying too much. Well, story I think the weight. important thing. Yeah, I think the important thing is with him is that he carries the the uh, first generation um, knowledge of of why they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, and he has he has been around long enough to interact with Archer, but I think you could get around that if you did want to make him just fully human, and have it be that the this this future version of the Enterprise has been working solely towards this purpose, and like is very militarized because they've been trying to stick around long enough to get this done. You know what I mean? Yeah, the Mako Instead, influence. But, yeah right you know but but the whole so their whole thing it's basically like they're split off from the time from the uh, from the timeline it's like how every it's like how when they go into the future in in a lot of movies it's always like the future of the the place and time the movie takes place so when marty mcfly or when the movie's made so like when marty mcfly jumps to 2015 he's seeing the future of 1989 when the right. movie was made. He's not seeing the future of, of what 2015 actually looks like. Yep. Like that kind of idea where it's like this future, this 117 years is like an arrested development kind of thing where they are still stuck in the mindset that Archer was at this point. And you can see how that's, you know, influenced yep. everybody. So then he can see, oh, this is not the way to be doing things. Yeah. You know, I, 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 recognize, I recognize what you're doing because I was doing it too, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, you know. yeah. And I'll just, I'll put a cap on that by just saying that even if they did that at this point in this season, I would still feel unconvinced by Archer because I don't think Archer has really mm. had a oh, yeah, through sure. line where I'd be yeah. like, okay, this is, I, I think that that's a way to fix this episode. And it feels like almost it's a workmanlike solution to have this be the revelatory episode for Archer. But I would still feel that Archer's arc this entire season has been incredibly strange and inconsistent. And I, I don't really know what Archer thinks basically at this point in the season. Like I, I don't know if he's still antagonistic towards Zindi, if he's realized anything in himself, this is an entirely consistent Archer characterization because all three seasons have been Archer. Like, does he learn anything at the, uh, the stuff that right. he does or is, yeah. just, is he just an idiot? And he just never has a chance to, to say anything. Uh, or he never has a chance to state where he stands mentally, and I was surprised he didn't do it in this episode whatsoever. Even because they they have a scene where Lorian opens up about every all of his failures, and Art back to his performance is just he goes, "Hmm." And then he opens up the door that and sucks. says, I, "I need you," and it's like, "What? Why? why what's going on? This is this is bad." Yeah, um, I have a small point here. This felt like an incredibly dated episode in a way that was surprising to me because this came out in 2004 and other episodes like uh, like TOS at its worst when they're like, women don't have the intellect to be captains and um, uh, stuff in early... They've, teen- done that twi- they've done that twice with T'Pol specifically on this, so it's not that, it's not that different. <laughs> That's a prequel, so it makes total sense in canon. That's uh, true. T- yeah. TNG has all these weird sort of storylines about things like that. Um, this came out in 2004, which is actually closer to TNG than it is to us, which is fascinating. But the point here is that um, all relationships in this universe are talked about on a heterosexual level, which is really awkward mm. and oh, not awkward. It's like it sticks out like a sore thumb at this point where Reed has no kids 
and they don't go, yes. you're a homosexual, <laughs> Reed. Like it says, yeah. it's, I mean, we can't think of any reason why you might not have kids, Reed. It must <laughs> just be because no woman would dare touch you. But outside of Reed, all other relationships are only talked about in heterosexual terminology, which is, mm-hmm. it's, it's just seem, it seems we've just come such a long way in television and stuff like that. Like it's just, they, right. this is 2004 and it's only talked about men are asked who, what woman do you marry? And men are asked, what woman are you going to marry? And when Reed's incredibly stilted, I don't know why I'm alone thing <laughs> pops up, everyone goes, well, you're just not, you're not finding the right woman. Reed, that's clearly what what's gone on here. The it, log said the log said Reed just had a roommate. <laughs> but they were just friends. It, it was it was just strange, and the show the show not floating any kind of um, any kind of like Star Trekky uh, like sexual relationship. Not fluidity, but like options. It just I was I was really struck mm-hmm. by it. I was like, wow, this feels more dated than the racist code of honor episode from TNG, just because of how how recent looking it is. And you'd expect different things. But again, this was like 2004 was like the Supreme Court uh Republican backlash to gay marriage. Like that's what won Bush the election that year was that wedge right. issue. So yeah. it's it's of its yeah. era, I guess. A lot a lot has changed in the last 10, 15 years or so. Yeah. Yeah. Really I mean, because the like, there's not even yeah, I mean, I mean, even more than that, there's not even a gay character on the ship at no. all. Yeah, like, there's uh, not, yeah, that would you would you would take that as a prerequisite these days. Yeah, uh, you know, and and as you should, but it's it's like it's not even like you're saying it's not even discussed. touched upon, not it's, even it's not into an option. that discussed. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um. That's about it. You were you were hoping you were hoping they were going to say that Reed's been living with Captain Hayes, right? Uh, that would have that that I we're, we're going go to get to we're going to get to a, a patron comment about this later, and I'm kind of stealing its thunder, but um, this that would have been a remarkable Enterprise episode moment, right? Yeah. If they're like, yeah, Reed's gay. <laughs> like kinda, we we came, <laughs> we arrived. It at would kind of overshadow a lot of the episode <laughs> if they did that. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's not not a reason not to do it. No, it, it, it would have. And the reason, well, I mean, here's the thing. The reason that we have this sort of, there's this kind of joke about Reed being a closeted homosexual is because the show has given you nothing over three seasons to explain any of his tics or like his behavior or his uh, his choices and mm-hmm. things like that. If they had fleshed out his character in a way that the show was like, oh, the reason Reed is like this is because he's, such and such a person that will never settle down. This episode can't even identify a reason why a heterosexual would remain single and without children right. in a ship that is designed to be generational. They want you to breed on this right. ship. And right. he's just like, I don't know. They don't have a scene where Hoshi's like, read it's because you're an incredible narcissist who would never be able yeah. to do it. It's it's such a weird, weird thing. Weird thing. I wish I wish they had done like this the Simpsons episode where Simpson uh befriends John Waters. Mm. And the, and how she's like, yeah, I just don't know what's going on. You never found a wife. And then Mayweather can be like, he prefers the company of men. <laughs> she's like, well, who doesn't? That's <laughs> the rest of the season. A lot of, lot, lot, of, lot, of, uh, lot of jokes at his expense. And it feels weird. It, to, be, to be clear, it's not, 
it, it comes off as ribbing him for being gay, but that, it's really I'm making fun of the fact that his characterization is so bad that it's like, what else yeah. is going on with this guy? And it feels like the show is honestly, it feels like the show is aware of it, but the show is too cowardly to do anything about it. It's just right. like, yeah, he's just yeah. he's just this way, I guess. I don't know. We can't explain it. Yeah, it's it is. I mean, like you're saying, it is just a, an interesting relic of the past that they they would they would rather have him be an inexplicable <laughs> bachelor yeah. who apparently just can never find the right gal. Yeah. Than to to imply that or explicitly say that maybe he's uh, he's a homosexual. Yeah, on a ship where everyone else got paired up, and I would imagine because there's like only there's like three men to one women i feel to keep their Mm -hmm. genetics going they almost need to have multiple plural marriages or something because they need genetic stock to be well they got they got a bunch of aliens in there they do maybe that maybe that's they got some new alien alien crew yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) we picked up random aliens and you had sex with all of them john archer it's like 70 something people now after the last battle a bunch yeah about 30 of them died there's about 70 left yeah Yep. So 70 people for 100 years. They don't have to survive that long, I guess, is the out here where you don't need a lot of genetic uh, variability in it. Maybe introducing one alien is enough, but the they called it a generational ship. The implication here is that everyone is doing things, but except for Reed, who blankly stares at his casserole that he gets out of the food replicator or something, doesn't know what's going well, on. Well, the, the weird part about that scene, too, is the way it ends. With well, not only does Reed come over and then Hoshi and Mayweather immediately leave. Yeah, they're just like, ooh, ooh, the single guy. We don't want to hang out with this loser, and they just get up and take off. Yeah. But then this, then this female crew member comes around the corner and he's like, "You can sit over here." And then they just like hard cut. It's a really weird. He just goes for the first woman. I don't know first woman possible. Yeah, is that? I, I'm I not totally it, sure if there was supposed to be a joke there or something or what, but I would have thought it would have been ballsy of the show for that woman to go, no thanks, and just walk away and read and you'd yeah. be like, well, okay, like there's Reed's giving off some energy or something. But the implication there is that she sits down, but they don't they don't show it, and I don't think they're going to touch on it. Before we go to final thoughts, Hoshi does not look up who she married. Uh, she looks up how many kids she has, which is interesting, but she doesn't mm-hmm. look up who she married. Travis does look up. What would you do in this situation? Um, I feel like I would probably go the Hoshi route. Interesting. Be Yeah, I don't know if I would want to know, because then that puts too much pressure on shit, if you know who it is. I would want to you know? know, but I would never be able to marry that person if I learned about it. You know, so you would instantly change the future. I would. I would also. <laughs> you would want to know, but then you'd be like, Ugh, "No, <laughs> that's power right there." No, that would be. Yeah. Like, if people ask, like, how you got together, you'd be like, "Well, I met my time traveling descendants who said that this just has to be the way, and so therefore, this is the relationship that I'm in." I would like to know, though, just to to see what would be possible in some post apocalyptic uh, future timeline or something. But you know what I would do? I would write. I would have somebody write it down and put it in an envelope. Yeah. And then I would keep it and then I would open it up however many years later as I'm getting married or something and be like, oh, I changed the future or, oh, interesting. It was all, yeah. all correct. If you think that time travel is fate, right, and that things have to work out the way that the time travel implies, you save a lot of money on condoms. 
I, I, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, then you get, that's where you get into a paradox though, because like if you are, it, it's fate only if a certain bunch of things happen in the right order. Right. So if you change those order, if you change right. the order or, or introduce a, another variable, which is blatant disregard for safe sex, <laughs> um, <laughs> You, uh, you. Well, to be fair, they never say how many kids that they have. They just said, or, or all of them specifically, or who they're with. It's, sure. It well, I, I guess I'm, I'm basing to, it so. on. I don't think this episode does, but the time travel where you can't escape your, you can't escape the future. Like if you try to stop it, it'll mm-hmm. just find some other way to work out so that that is what happens. That's that's yeah. that's my uh, thinking there. But I don't think Star Trek cares about that t- kind of time travel. <laughs> Let's take a break. We'll play another clip from the episode, which is E-Squared. We'll come back, read some patron comments, and give our final thoughts about E-Squared. You don't know what it's like living with the responsibility. Millions of people are dead because of me. I'm sure your crew did everything they could to stop the probe. I could have destroyed it. Years ago, I swore to my captain on his deathbed. I'd save those seven million lives. You were the man I made that promise to. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Thank you for supporting the show. If you enjoyed the content today, you can support the show at patreon.com slash the Penske file. It's the best way to support us. A couple dollars a month, you get extra stuff, extra podcasts, extra uh, polls to decide what we talk about in those podcasts. You get some there's occasional live streams. There are the Discord access for captains only. You get exclusive Discord channel access. Early access, that's basically what that leads down to. So if you want early access to the podcast shows, you become a Patreon supporter. Um, and as always, a special thank you goes to our Captain Tier supporters, who are Tark Latif, Samuel Custer, Joint Mango, Kyle Barrett, Mike Burnett, Andrew Turlog, Matt Ross, Michael Pond, Christian Pouch, Matt Cutler, Nick Sergey, Grim Santo, Sean, Cardinal Doomsday, Bradley Killens, Dwayne Hackett, Kevin Reyes, Fall 13 Hero, Jordan Cooper, Russell Elledge, Darth Mosk, HH28, Stephen Minton, Derek Zajac, Paul Roscoe, Jake 123.xG, Patrick Seba, Dave Davies, Johnny Franceschi, Captain Brazen, Eric Antoine, Eric Antoine, Jakey's Gamer, Kevin Lowry, Corey Martin, William Scheisler, Nick the Rat, Rahan Jaffer, Grapple John Zorn, Soylent Blue, Zane Majors, Olivia Pardur, Tail, Tom Hickey, Jose Hunter, ZWNF Remixes, Captain Munchausen, James McLennan, Beal, Jonas, Loki, and Tommy Tango, Two Vicks Must Die, and Chris McLaughlin. Thank you very much for supporting us, everybody. We're at we're $1 short of the Voyager goal again. We lost a couple patrons. So if you want a security blanket. Because you didn't like a Star Wars movie. I did. That's we had why. a patron leave, and he said it was because I didn't like The Last Jedi. No, I do like the Last Jedi. I can't even remember. I just troll Star oh, that's Wars. That's right. People. Yes, it's that you did like. He might have been. Like he might have been Jedi joking, but I do like that. the Last Jedi, and he, uh, he or she found that an unbearable opinion. At least that's what they wrote on the patron feedback. But thank you for your support before you left. Um, it's much appreciated, even yes. if you had to change going forward. Um, I don't take it personally. My opinions about the Last Jedi. I take losing patrons very personally. Uh, what are we doing now? We'll leave some patron comments, patron thoughts. You can leave your thoughts about upcoming episodes. We read them. Here's the first one. Matt Ross says, E squared. I guess this is Enterprise's Children of Time from DS9, Deadlock. Oh, it's Deadlock from Voyager, and even the time travel conundrum of all good things from TNG. The fact that the Enterprise alternate still exists doesn't truly make sense, but whatever, the children of this temporal paradox are interesting to watch, even with T'Pol's old age makeup. The look of Enterprise has got a... 
uh, wavy deflector dish and flashy lights on the bridge. It was good to finally see Archer not being so trusting and finding out that Phlox was a real sex machine. Reed, not so much. The battle with the two Enterprises was a bit silly, as was Archer's obstinance and realization that this means nothing and just wasted more time to fill a TV order. Three out of five. I had a hard time. Uh, Time travel played trickery on me here where I kept expecting the duplicate enterprise to be more advanced because it was bulkier. You know what I mean? Like when I see, I kept being like, they must destroy them with their futuristic weapons, but no, they've just been hanging around for another hundred years. They haven't gained anything in that time. They gained some tech, but well, they got a tractor beam. They got a tractor beam. Or do they, I think that's the the first time I've ever seen a tractor beam yet. Yeah. I think that's the first time I've ever seen it used because the, Original one's still using the, the grappling the gra- hook, right? The grappling hook. <laughs> I wonder if they start using the tractor beam after this. No, They call it a tractor beam, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. Royo says, DS9's Children of Time is one of my favorite episodes. East Squared, despite sharing its premise, is one of my most hated episodes of Star Trek. East Squared comes out of nowhere in the Zindi arc with no setup and a reptilian asking how many Starfleet vessels there are in the Enterprise is not foreshadowing, as he would have been asked that regardless if this episode even existed. I'm going to stop there. This was a this was a good example of continuity that is not necessary and should be stripped from scripts. Where Arch is like, you know, the Zindi had been saying that they thought there were more ships around. And the the woman on the other enterprise goes, Yeah, we uh they probably saw us a couple times. Sorry. But it's like the, the, the Zindi are basing their idea that there are multiple ships on the fact that they saw this ship one time. Mm. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. That sure Zindi would do that. Yeah. Uh, this episode immediately breaks my suspension. They're seeing double my, four enterprises. My suspension of disbelief, as the Zindi arc had already established that Enterprise is being watched over by the Temporal Agency, which would not let Enterprise be stranded a hundred years in the past to do all kinds that's of damage a, that's to the a timeline. Great point. Yeah. And not once in the seventy-two previous episodes is there even a hint, rumor, tale of a mystical ghost Enterprise existing on the frontier before humanity's first deep space mission exploration. I fucked that up, but I'll continue. Julian Blaylock executes what can only be described as a parody of what young people think old people are, much like season one's TNG's Too Short a Season, where they act like no old person I've ever met. While not as painful to watch as Carpenter Street, in many ways this episode is worse since the concept isn't even plausible. Episode doesn't change anything, and the showrunners are too afraid to tackle the topic of male relationships on a generational ship with two-thirds of the crew being men, make it a giant waste of time. 0.5 out of 5. Damn. Yeah, I don't have any... I mean... Daniels at this point doesn't even register to me as a plot problem because he's he's awful in general. Like he, his yeah, existence yeah. is a plot problem to this sh- uh, the show and the series. So here specifically, I think he makes a good point. Roman makes a good point, but Archer doesn't even cross my mind in situations like this anymore. Because uh, because <laughs> by the logic of this episode, that second Enterprise is already out there when. Uh, Daniels has been contacting. Yeah. 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 Daniels should um, know about it. Right. There's no reason Daniels shouldn't yeah. know about this ship being out there. Right. Because if, because if that ship is out there, that means that they never started the Federation. So there's. Well, or it's just. Daniels shouldn't exist. Well, so Archer, no, Archer and Paul talk about it. So they know that it's, its knowledge has been retained. Archer is presumably going to report on this, which means that Daniels would know that 
there is a time traveling ship because it's been reported on by Starfleet at this point, and they haven't changed the timeline in the past yet. I would think. I don't know. It's 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 irrelevant, but Daniel sucks. Latte Librarian says, despite the old age makeup and paradoxes, this was a pretty good episode. Lorian was convincing as half-human, half-Vulcan. Wish they'd shown more of an alternate ship in the culture and community they'd created. It would have made it all the more sad when they don't appear again. Four time jumps out of five. What do you think of uh, Blaylock's performance this season? I don't think we've talked about this yet. From her emotional outbreaks to the Um, drug addiction to this episode. I think... I don't know if it's if she's just put in a tough position given what she's being asked to do, which is play someone who doesn't have emotions but is also having a tough time because they've got all the emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit abstract to try and play that. Um, so that that is a little bit... Uh, I, I don't know if it's her being in that tough spot or if she just doesn't super have the range to cover it because like i don't really like the way that she plays a lot of the 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 emotional stuff because it just kind of translates into like her eyes go big and she starts to like shake a little bit when she talks yeah yeah um and i mean old old to paul it was fine it was it was I wasn't really expecting. I, d- that I didn't much. think uh, the, the, the it wasn't as bad as Jameson in that TNG episode where he he was a muppet. He was like I'm an old man, it was wheeling around in his wheelchair, like bumping into yeah. the wall and stuff like that. that they did a terrible. great job with the. Uh, they did a great job with the the split screen thing with both of them on screen yeah. at the same time, though. Talking I thought that to looked each really other. Good. Yep, yep. I think Blaylock's better than the material. I my only mm-hmm. my concern here is that the, I think that the toughness of her position comes from the fact that. As you're saying, they want her to be an emotionless person who is trying to constrain emotion. My real problem with all of the space addiction and emotional outburst stuff is that she's been acting extremely emotional in a way that the other characters should be talking about constantly. What's wrong with you? Right. Like, what's wrong yeah. with you? Why, why are you talking like yeah. this? And no one seems very concerned about it whatsoever but but because it's a not subtle star trek show she has to be like captain you can't do this you know and it's like this is not i this is not good but it's not her fault because there's no way to portray what they want her to do in this show i i feel like when they were shooting carpenter street she was on a break and she asked leland orser for some acting advice on how to handle this and he's like well if you just shake and you 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 kind of shuffle your way through and you say that he made you fuck her it should work i'm looking forward to that episode i think she's better than this she's not a great actress but she's better she's she's been given the hardest mission of this crew to do this job and i don't think it's particularly fair Kyle Barrett says, "Yeah, I think, squared. and I think part of that, I think, I think a big part of that is like it's so unclear. It, it, like there was no clear motivation for it until they came up with this bullshit drug thing, right? Like you Chasing know, it's emotion. just like she's, yeah. yeah. There's no like arc for her to to look at as to like what's what's going on with Paul this season. Well, you know, she's doing something. Well, no, this season, this episode, she's acting kind of nuts. This one, she's fine. This one, <laughs> she's got a crack addiction. This one, she's old. Right? Yeah, agreed." Cal Barrett says, E squared, an episode reminiscent of Children of Time, but not quite so gratifying, although I do like the smaller scale of this one with everything contained to the ship, because creating a colony the size of the one in DS9's episode would require, would require more incest than the front page of Pornhub. 
The big issue here is that the drama should be surrounding the characters on our Enterprise, not the guest stars who are going to disappear at the end of this episode. It too often places the focus on Lorian when his appearance should only be the catalyst to explore T'Pol and Trip. The scene between the two T'Pols is easily the best in the episode, and it's such a shame that there aren't more moments like that. And while I often use Reed's suspected homosexuality as a joke, him realizing he had fathered no children could have been a genuinely brilliant sci-fi-tinged way for him to come out and accept his life as a gay man. Three Lord of the Rings references out of five. That was the point I was. You know, I was really, I was really, yeah, I, not surprising. Uh, I was really kind of surprised that they didn't do a scene with Old T'Pol and Trip. Um, maybe, and maybe that kind of like takes the wind. Did I already say that earlier? You did remember, say that but, earlier, but you didn't. You didn't go into it outside of just them sharing a hand of cards. I right. I, to Paul has a thing where she's like, "Well, it would be kind of awkward if I saw him." And it's and Arch is like, "Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess I shouldn't tell him to come see you." Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It just it seems like it's kind of a nice. It would have been kind of a nice scene for them to do, but I, I understand that it's more about to Paul than it is about to Paul and Trip, really. But so I, I, I guess it makes my, sense. My problem with it is that. Old T'Pol has clearly come to terms with her emotions and stuff like that. I feel like yep. Old T'Pol would want to see Trip, and I don't understand her motivation to not see him. Really, outside of if she like she's she's old enough where she would be at acceptance of this is the way that things have to be. It's not like we're going to be together or anything like this, but it's nice to see you one last time. Yeah, I don't really understand her motivation to not interact with him and unless they think that it'll spoil what this storyline is supposed to be because old T'Pol would not be able to control her telling the truth to him, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Christian Pouch says, E squared, what a strange, very short, cold open. I kind of wish it had been the post-intro scene with Trip and T'Pol because I really liked how natural and real that scene felt. Nick the Rat says, final comment, T'Pol changed into Yoda, she did. Malcolm marries a pineapple and flocks fucks. Knowing Trip has a kid with T'Pol brought a tear to my eye. I bet T'Pol still doesn't believe in time travel. It's true. If only our show showed, just ends an episode with I still don't believe in time travel. She's She's gone through quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> falling, in, uh, falling in love with Trip, falling in love with Trip's clone, getting a, a addicted to free base, free base rock, yep. uh, finding out about time travel, meeting Repeatedly. herself from the future, finding out she's got kids. Yep. It's, it's a lot. You can understand why she's shaking. If only Archer showed the Zindi Daniels room, showed the Zindi Daniels's room, they wouldn't need much more convincing. The serialization of the show seems to be working very well. It's making me want more. Four out of five. Oh, there's three more episodes to go, and then we're done with the Zindi season. Thank you very much, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about it. E squared. Clay, what are you going to give this one on a scale of one to five? Um, let me give it a three. Okay. Because I think it's... I think it's fine. I like it. It's. I think it suffers from a lot of problems that the show has, which it's like it's a bunch of mishmash down the middle of other stuff that isn't really doing anything spectacular with it. It's just kind of serviceable. Um, the placement's kind of weird. The story they're telling doesn't seem pro- like I get being sort of the bridge between two sets of three parters. Essentially, it makes sense to do kind of like a a a, uh, a come down episode for a minute yeah but i don't think you really get much out of it like it, it, if you're going to do that you should get something out of it yeah but, and i don't really think they do in this clay goes out of three i'm going to give it a two i think it's i think it's 
I think it has too many conceptual problems with it that really hold it back. I don't think that Archer's story is good. I think Archer's story needs to be good. I think that Lorien is asked to shoulder too much of the narrative burden here, which is distracting from what's going on on the Enterprise. I don't think that they get any pathos out of the descendant angle. That's not anything sort of interesting and hard hitting to me. I don't think that there's any kind of, there's nothing emotionally resonant about that storyline. That's not just like, Oh, this is technically cute that they've met their descendants. And this is the way the storyline is going to go. I think it's a two. I think it has too many problems to be a good episode and it just, it's better than Carpenter street, but enterprise, I think Enterprise is specifically bad at time travel stories from the temporal yeah. Cold War to Carpenter Street to this. It's just like, well, they just don't. I would agree. They don't want to yeah. do time travel at all. Yeah. Well, well, no, the problem is they do a lot want to do time travel. Or, sure. Um, yeah. They did a lot of time travel this season, right? How many time travel episodes? Was it just the two? Yeah. Was it just Carpenter Street and this? Or was there another uh, one in there somewhere? Do you, do you count the one where... No. Twilight. The old, one where Archer... Yeah, I guess Twilight Alzheimer's. Yeah, or so something. they did three yeah. in twenty something episodes. Seems like a lot. Do you? Um, I was just thinking, is isn't it kind of weird that the the community on Enterprise Two is like thriving? Yes, it is weird. You know, like doesn't it feel like to to drive home the point a little bit more? They should be like bare bones, just like just getting by they should be desperate or something that the, des- the desperation yeah. should come across and their need to stop this mission from happening they've lived a horrible cramped right. existence waiting 100 years for this ship to show up and they have to stop this thing from happening and they're driven religiously driven by it you know yeah what if they i mean and they they and if they were doing it that way you could kind of flip it on uh children of time what's it called time and have have someone pull Lorian aside and be like, Hey, do we really need to do this? Like what, what happens if we just take their ship? Right. You know, like what, what happens, what happens if we decide to live our own lives instead of waiting to live theirs or something? You know? We don't know anybody from earth. We've never been to earth. What do you care about earth? Yeah. That was the weakness of Lorian's. If this was Vulcan, you'd care because Lorian doesn't know anything about earth either. He's, we have this language. It's built off of a certain document that says we the people <laughs> of the United States of America. I enjoyed the recent fourth. Uh, a lot of people posting those quotes from that very, uh, very patriotic episode of Star Trek. Thank you, patrons, for leaving your thoughts about E squared. I give it a two. Clay gives it a three. We're heading into the final arc of the Zindi episodes. Here we go. The next one is called The Council, I think. Archer makes it to The Council. After this stop. I wonder what that's about. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Thank you very much, patrons. Thank you, listeners. Everybody, thank you for supporting the show. Next one's the council. Clay, do you have anything you want to say before we head out? Uh, Thanks for checking out Rotten Horror Picture Show. We've got Audition up, and then after that, we've got Quiet Place Part 2. And then we'll be doing our uh, next wild card, which I think is Jennifer's Body, which should be fun. Mm. And uh, we're continuing going through Friday the 13th on Patreon. In July, we will be doing Friday the 13th Part 7, where Jason is an uber zombie who fights uh, basically Carrie from the movie Carrie. Mm-hmm. She's got telekinetic mind powers. So that's that gets it gets pretty weird. So yeah, join us. And Badass is, is continuing. We're just we've just recorded past 
the halfway point. So it's a short, shorter season for badass this year. Yeah, and this month, I think this comes out in July. So this month's Patreon stuff for us would be a Star Trek rewatch, which I think is going to be. No, I can't say it at this point. Can I say it? Has it closed out yet? Well, it's going to be. Um, was the movie Flash Gordon? So we did 1980s Flash Gordon, and we will be doing. Whoa. Um. That was the other one. Sorry, I'll look it up now. I think someone's in the lead. It looks like it might be in the Children Show lead. It's either in the Children Show lead from TOS or it's Lessons from TNG. They're pretty close to each other. So it's one of those two that's out this month. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Thank you for supporting the show. We'll see you later.